Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today I'm joined by Christina Villegas. She is a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum and holds a PhD in politics from the Institute for Philosophic Studies at the University of Dallas. Christina is currently an associate professor of political science at California State University, San Bernardino, where she teaches courses in American government, public policy, and political thought. She has written several articles and books, including one on Alexander Hamilton, and she has a new book coming out on foster care in America. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Christina and her husband, Manny, fostered and adopted four biological siblings who are now, get ready for this, Six, five, three, and two years old. I, I, that is that is that is really in the weeds there. Uh, Christina is currently homeschooling her oldest daughter Sophia, who is in kindergarten. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christina. Julie, it's my pleasure. I've been a longtime fan of your work. Oh, great. Thank you so much. And I honestly, I just, I paused when I said six, five, three, and two. It wasn't so long ago that I had a similar spread with my kids. And man, when I say you're in the weeds, that, that you really is, you really are in the weeds. But what a wonderful, wonderful time because they are so sweet at that age. You must be having a lot of fun. Yeah, just this uh, yesterday morning, our three-year-old son was wrapping up his toys all day in empty shoe boxes. And then he put them on diligently under the Christmas tree last night. And then this morning he says, it's Christmas. <laughs> and called all the kids to <laughs> open up his toys that he had wrapped. <laughs> there are a so lot of cute. fun things at that age. <laughs> you know, at, I, I remember that age. And I do remember, um, you know, through the adorableness of it. But it is a lot of work. And it, it can be a lot, a lot of <laughs> a lot of exhaustion and 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 you know coordination and because I had I have kids that are similarly spaced just very close in age so but again every stage is really fun and every stage is really special so I I hope you enjoy you know this Christmas season and really really treasure it because when they get older like my kids and my kids are still very sweet and and they love, they like their parents, they like to hang out with their parents, but there's nothing like Christmas morning with that age group. So really enjoy it. Yeah, we're doing our best to enjoy it well, amidst the potty training and everything else. <laughs> you know, this podcast, one thing we want to do with this podcast, and this is sort of a new, uh, sort of a, a new tack that we're taking with this podcast, is trying to find parents who have kind of interesting parenting stories or interesting parenting arrangements or unusual parenting arrangements. And, um, you know, whether that's, you know, somebody who works nights or someone who works in the gig economy and might not be sort of have normal hours or specifically works that way because they want to be around their kids. So they might work off hours. Um, and, 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 you know, parents, for instance, who, um, you know, are divorced or are chronically ill, we really want to kind of examine um, how people parent under a, a number of different circumstances this next year, this sort of as we launch our second year of, of Bespoke. And I'm so glad that you're, you're sort of the first guest um, on, this, uh, on this new uh, new Bespoke because you do have an interesting story. Um, you went from no kids to four kids in a period of 
have a very short amount of time and I really want to hear your story. How did it happen? How did you first get interested in fostering? Obviously, this is one of these really kind of um, inspiring fostering uh, to adoption stories. And, and, you know, obviously, Christina, I know this story because you and I are friends and I, you have shared this with me before, but um, I find this just such an inspirational story. Why don't you t- just start off telling us how this all happened? Yeah, Julie, it's a really crazy story, one that I never would have imagined. And if you asked me 10 years ago, would I be capable of raising four little kids? I would say absolutely not. And I have learned over the past several years, we're capable of a lot more than we think we are. And it's also important just to adjust to circumstances that life throws your way. So our story goes back to, let's say, around... 2014. Um, my husband and I had been married for a while. I had, I had gotten my PhD, just gotten um, hired in a tenure track position at Cal State University, San Bernardino. So career-wise, things were going great. We knew that we wanted kids and I had suffered a miscarriage. So we were kind of processing our path forward that way. And we just happened to go to this wedding where I had never actually thought I would be a good foster adopt mom. I had a lot of concerns about um, that process where I thought, man, I could never deal with it if a child got taken away or having to interact with right. the birth parents. It just, it just didn't, um, I wasn't attracted to it naturally. I had way too many concerns. I, I realized through this whole process, I was thinking a lot more about kids in terms of how they would benefit us rather than how yeah. we could be a benefit to children and uh, you know we were living a pretty awesome life in terms of having no kids and being able to travel go out to dinner whenever we wanted right. so anyways we were but we didn't know that we wanted kids and we um, attended a wedding and at our table was one of the leads in um, social services for the county and just getting to know us he said you got, you know you guys would make awesome foster parents, foster adopt parents, our county has so many kids that need to be adopted and we don't have enough good quality foster parents. And okay, a lot I of my to, I have to just stop you. I I have to just stop you there. Because this is a part of the story I did not know. This is really astonishing to me. So you literally go to a wedding and just happen to be sitting at a table <laughs> with someone who knows about foster care and knows about the parents that they're looking for and sort of knows the foster care system. So it's just through this sort of literally happenstance, just, you know, just luck, right. essentially, that you... Yeah, I would say providential, but yes. No kidding. That is... Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to take a moment to sort of note that because I think that we think of people that are in the foster care system or that do go through this process as sort of you know, having some experience with it or knowing about it or really kind of maybe thinking about it for a lot of years or something like that. that's really interesting. All right. Sorry. Go on. I just, I just yeah, no, to I, I knew hardly anything other than just those concerns that I um, expressed earlier. I had a friend who was placed with a baby who was then removed back to their birth parents. Oh. And so I just had a complete reticence against the process of innate reticence until this particular moment but at the same time 
and we were we had a close family for a friend that we were becoming closer with who had foster adopted um her five children who was becoming somewhat like a mentor to me so we had all of these these people just kind of enter into our lives that that um convinced us that this is the route we wanted to go and so we went through the process of getting licensed which we could do a whole nother podcast on that in areas of improvement that are needed there oh yeah Uh, but we so april 2016 we finished all of our licensing requirements and i thought you know we're people had told us it's going to be a few months before they place a child with you so i felt like we had a lot of time i didn't really um take it too seriously and a few weeks after we were licensed I got a call while I was actually at work um, that there was a six-month-old baby girl who needed to be um, removed from her foster family because of certain circumstances um, there and that she was most likely going to be eligible for adoption soon so they wanted to make sure to put her into a family that was willing to adopt so we agreed Um, to take her in. That's our oldest daughter, Sophia. And we were able to adopt her pretty quickly because they terminated. The first family had a long history of um, very severe child neglect and abuse. And and so there was, it was pretty obvious there was no other family member um, that she could go to, et cetera. So we were able to adopt her within, I think it was seven, seven months we adopted adopted her. So in the meantime, I'm still working. I think, oh, you know, this is nice. We have our um, child now. I mean, there were difficulties involved with having a baby um, and working, but it was not too difficult. And I thought, this is kind of nice. We can balance our life with having kids and our work life and still do things. Well, and, and well, then and, um, and it's sort of, those are sort of the, those are sort of the problems everyone has, right? I mean, this is right. Work-life balance. This is like welcome to parenthood, right? Like that's right. normal, right? So well, it's, it's, I laughed yeah. too. I laughed too at how seriously I took it. Like you know, I had a diaper bag with everything all perfect um, put together. <laughs> oh, one thing I want, I do want to say is I had a group of friends who really came through for me and just because we only had a couple days notice when we um, picked up our daughter Sophia, and I had a group of friends that came through and helped. Uh, their girls that I worked out with every morning very close to them they came through and just put together this last minute 24 hour and 24 hour notice baby shower for us so that we had things to bring her home to which was a a huge support you bring up a good point though I I just a few minutes ago said wow these are normal parenting problems but you have nine months normally to think about this stuff sometimes longer yes well you bring up a good point you know god this was 24 hours, you know, get ready. Yeah. And I remember asking the social worker, do you have a, do you have a newborn for dummies book? (laughs) 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 I don't really, I mean, I'm the oldest of five kids, but it's been a long time since I was around the baby. (laughs) And uh, they just laughed. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's another lesson I er learned early on too, just how resilient, kids are and you just adapt to, to adapt to the uh, what needs to be done and you don't really have to take a course on it. you just figure yeah. it out as you yeah. go along and um, so anyways uh, 
we had started, my husband and I, when our daughter just turned two, we were thinking, well, maybe we should get licensed, renew our license and think about taking in another child. And I kid you not, Julie, as soon as our license was approved, I got a call. Again, I was at work. I was walking out to my car. I vividly remember it. And the social worker said, "Um, we just wanted to let you know that your daughter has a three-week-old brother. He tested positive for meth, and so he's in foster care. And we realized that you have his sister, so will you take him um, in as well? And we said, oh, you know, absolutely. We're super excited. We'll have a girl. We'll have a boy. And um, and we were thinking, uh, we, we obviously had just gotten our license renewed, so we were hoping to take in another child. Well, so we're super excited. So then the social worker calls back that same night. And mind you, I have a barely over two-year-old. We just agreed to take in a three-week-old. The social worker calls back that same night and says, "Uh, we just realized the birth parents had another little girl last year in a different county. Um, We just, we never, it wasn't even on our radar because um, we only keep track of her in this county. And so we don't know where that little girl is. She's 14 months old. The, the birth parents are homeless and on, on drug, pretty serious drug abusers. Oh. Um, so we don't know where she is. Um, but one, So we're going to have to find her. And when we do, we need to know whether you're willing to take her too. And I almost passed out because I have a just barely two-year-old. Now we're, we just agreed to take in a three-week-old baby. And now you're saying there's a 14-month-old who is also their four full biological oh. sibling. And I have this job that I love. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you, I remember telling the social worker, I, I have a job. Right. <laughs> it, right. It didn't face her. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't face her. She just said, well, we need to know. And so um, we, my husband and I talked about it just real. I hung up with her and we both said, you know, we have to do this. She's in the middle. She's yeah. a sibling in the middle. Um, how could we say no? And so we said, yes, we'd take her to you. Well, we I, ended up getting I imagine, our. I imagine at this point, this is no longer let me consider taking a foster care child. This <laughs> is your family. This is your daughter's right. biological right. sibling. Right. So this decision is not just, okay there's another child in need and, and we've been called, which is, is in and of itself a painful decision because you want to help you, whatever child they ask you to help. But, but now, but now these are siblings. This is a, a totally right. different level of feeling responsible for these kids. So yes. I'm sorry to interrupt. That really does. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. And in the ahead. training that they did with us, this is one thing that they really did a good job of emphasizing is how important it is for siblings to stay together when possible. And yeah. that's another thing that I believe is providential about our story is because we didn't have biological kids, we were in a better position to be able to take all of our kids in yeah. than but that's we would have been otherwise. But right. This isn't it. right, no. No. So anyways, we get our three-week-old um, son, AJ, Alexander Joseph. He's named after Alex. We gave the kids all um, new names. And so Alexander Hamilton and um, Egypt Joseph from the Bible, because I wanted the kids to all um, have a special meaning to their name. And his, we really wanted him to 
to see like, there are these people that come from nothing that become great leaders of their country. Yeah. And so we, we took a lot of time choosing his name and then um, it took them two months to find our daughter, Anna. She was just being dropped off with um, different uh, drug addicts. She was, so we got her at 16 months, but that whole time since we had already agreed to take her in, um, we, I felt like, responsible for her safety because we had already agreed to take her in my mind she's our daughter who's out there missing and so that was a a pretty emotional time just worrying every day praying that they would find her and they finally um it's a whole nother crazy story how they found her but they finally brought her to us Um, we got our son in january they brought her to us in march and uh she was in pretty bad condition because she'd been pretty severely neglected and for the first couple of weeks it was very stressful because we had a newborn a two-year-old and then a 16-month-old who wouldn't who cried nonstop and wouldn't let go of my arm Um, and but after two weeks she just started transitioning she's a normal happy five-year-old now um, but yeah it it was a bit of a rough transition we had a lot to overcome and so the we were told that the social worker or by the social worker that birth mom had got her tubes tied. So I got rid of all of our baby stuff. Cause I, one of the things with little kids is I don't have that many little kids. Is I did not want to hang on to extra stuff. I, I don't yeah. like clutter. I don't like anything that makes my life feel more stressful. So, so I, yeah, I, yeah. I did a huge decluttering, got rid of everything we didn't need. Great. And then, um, Two years ago, a few days before Thanksgiving, we got a call. I was sitting in my office at work again, and I got had a missed call from the county. And I thought, oh, that's strange. They must have, we must have forgotten to file some paperwork correctly or something. So I called back, and they said, um, we just wanted to let you know that uh, your uh, kids have a six-week-old sister who's in foster foster care and I was like what how is this possible I thought uh yeah so um I said you know I, I I was feeling a little overwhelmed by that call and I said my husband and I are going to need to take a day to talk about this to pray about it and we we have three little ones at home and we I remember we went out we got a babysitter we went out to dinner that night and my, I remember my husband saying, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this with four little ones, but I know we should. And I said, well, if we're, sh- if we should, then we'll be able to. And so we agreed to take in our youngest daughter, Isabella. We got, I, again, I had to start from scratch, get all sorts of baby stuff in, uh, within a few days. Although I, by this time I learned I didn't need everything that I had had before. In fact, by the time Isabella came around, I just like put a diaper in a bottle in my purse. I don't think I used a diaper bag. That is so true. I used to always joke that like the first child, you, you know, you, you're really careful about everything you make for them and feed them. And by the third, you're just hoping they find a, like a pee that fell on the ground or something, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is our, yeah, our youngest is the least picky eater out of all the kids, and I, was, I think that's just because I gave her whatever when she. I didn't try to give her fancy baby food. <laughs> it, it's better off for it. You know, I, I want.
want to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, how it was professionally for you to go. It sounds like you have an enormous support structure. I know you have a close-knit family, um, and it sounds like you have colleagues and friends in your community that you can rely on. Um, And and I, you know, I, I suspect you know, you have a supportive work environment. Um, but what was that like? Um, how did you approach your employer? How did, you know, what arrangements were made? How was it like for your husband as well? Um, I'd like to explore that a little bit because, you know, I think yeah. one thing is, you know, not, yeah, and, and you certainly recognize this. Not everyone has flexible jobs. I work for IWF. I, you know, I certainly have a flexible job. I don't know, know how, how you're, uh, your main employer dealt with this, but I'd be curious to know what what was what was the you know the ultimate reaction and 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 arrangement that was made. Yes. So my fortunately, I work for the most amazing department, and our department chair at the time is very supportive of what we were doing and encouraging. Um, and I I would say I wouldn't. There are several people in my life that. Um, and my husband's in my life that we wouldn't have been able to do this without one um, was my friend who had foster adopted the five kids. She was just provided invaluable mentorship and childcare help to me um, because she understood the process, the regulations that we were going through, all of the appointments. If I had questions, I could ask her and, and we really did need childcare help early on. And she she came through for me. Um, then I had, like I said, my friends who would put together last minute baby showers, get help me collect yeah. the stuff that I needed. And then and within um, my department, my colleagues were so supportive. Um, the first time I, uh, when we had Sophia, I was in the middle of the quarter, so I wasn't even able to really take maternity leave. Um, but fortunately, it was right before summer. So I was able to have the summer off. Uh, but then with when I we got AJ and Anna, they made sure that I um, was able to take a reduction in classes. Um, that, that, there were certain things that they couldn't do because of union rules. And that's where I realized right. how important it is to have a option for a flexible work environment yes. for just people who have biological children or people like my husband and I who are faced with this life-changing decision of taking in kids through foster adoption. And I I realize that the people that you work with, your work environment um, is absolutely essential for success in terms of, I would have had to quit if they weren't supportive. Yeah. um, It's it's interesting what you say about like, you know, um, you know, sort of the, the interpersonal communication and the arrangements that you were able to make um, you know, with your employer, sort of you and they coming together and making arrangements worked well. Um, but it's, you know, it's when sort of the, the you know, union regulations and regulations in general um, got involved that it became complicated. And I think that that is kind of an interesting thing you said, because um, we have an effort, you know, not to veer too far into um, sort of policy and news here, but it is important to mention that you know, we have a system here right now in the, in the, um, in the, or we have a proposal rather from the Biden administration <clears throat> to nationalize childcare. And right. I, what is so frightening about that is that if you did nationalize childcare, it would take away all these independent childcare facilities where people are able to kind of negotiate a little bit 
better deals or figure things out or maybe cheaper rates. Um, but it would also right. turn all of these government or all of these daycares into sort of these government-run daycares with all the sort of regulations where you really couldn't work things out. And I think that would even reach into um, eventually sort of what employers are willing to do. Because if, if there's just all this free daycare, you know, maybe they wouldn't allow you, you know, you can just put your kids in the daycare. Maybe you, they wouldn't allow you a flexibility of uh, the flexibility of doing something part-time or doing, you know, having more flexibility in your job when, hey, there's all this uh, free, you know, daycare, why don't you just stick your kid in there? So I do think it's kind of interesting right. that once, once you get sort of the government involved in these things or even unions, like these big sort of amorphous organizations or the government into these things, it really does complicate things where really I think in many cases employers want to work with good employees. They want to retain good employees and you know if having a more flexible schedule would retain that employee they're more often than not they're willing to do that we see that in the data we see that people you know, there's this big myth out there that oh nobody gets any time off for you know having babies nobody no there's no maternity there's no nothing well that's not true you know most people are able to use some combination of things and then work out a better arrangement for themselves and again it's entirely just uh, you know, on their own, not not with the government yeah. saying you have to do that. Well, I realized with my kids, just because of their unique circumstance, too, they did so much better um, in terms of childcare when I didn't leave them um, in a facility, but where they were actually in a home. So with someone yeah. they had a connection to. Yeah. And so, and even now I have a girl come to our house to watch them. Um a couple mornings a week and then they go to like a preschool a couple mornings a week and they that balance has been great for them they I feel like they're so much less anxious when most of the child care is done out of our house or with a family friend who we so in our case I hired our family friend to watch them on the days that I had classes and then I worked from home on the days that I didn't have classes and um, that was just an ideal arrangement because she knew the kids well. They felt loved there. They were less anxious about going over to her house um, than they were um, in any other sort of circumstance. And and my kids in particular, I think all that's been, that could be beneficial for all kids, but my kids in particular, they had um, a lot going on early in their, their life. They didn't need, anything else to stress 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 them out and so it wouldn't have worked for me if I wasn't able to have that unique child care arrangement that makes a lot of sense and and does worry me for the future of child care um in these situations where that option just won't be available there's no reason for private child care facility or one of these in-home child care facilities which are by the way already regulated to death I mean, you know, these yeah. home care, uh, these home care daycare facilities, I mean, these women have to like, you know, measure out every tablespoon of peanut butter. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. The, the uh-huh. so it's not to say that they're, oh, they're just regulatory free. Yeah, you know, they can do anything with them. But I do think that that will reduce the amount of flexibility, which I didn't really even think about when I first started talking about this, how critical it would be for foster kids. Um, you know, foster kids who, who, who may go into a foster home, but the parents do need some sort of, you know, some sort of help, um, you know, right. care help that that could present as some instability for them. And so, uh, 
a wide variety of choices in, in care facilities and care arrangements for you is so important. That's a really interesting aspect, Christina. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I do want to, I want to also talk about, I mean, it does sound like you have, I mean, I, I will say this is, I, I feel like this needs to be a made for TV movie because your story is so, <laughs> it, it, sitting down at the wedding and talking to uh, you know, your, your own condition, you know, your own, you know, I, I also have had miscarriages and I know that, 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 you know, that really rocks your soul. And, um, and so yeah. coming off of that, finding this new opportunity and oh my gosh now you're a family of you know you're a family of six right yeah six now um yeah so it, uh-huh. it, it, it's such an inspirational story but i i do i will say and then you know to, to have the support that you have in your community and your friends and your employer but what would you say to people you know you earlier said i think manny said your husband manny said you know if we should do it then we can do it but there are yeah. there, there are people who really feel the draw and feel the the desire to do this and you know whether it's a you know sort of feeling like an altruistic sort of you know urge to do this or you know or for their own fulfillment to have a family you know but that don't have these supports and maybe don't have an employer that yeah. so understands what advice would you give to people who are considering doing this maybe not on your scale uh maybe starting out yeah. slow but um I although i never thought we would be doing it on our show either <laughs> like this it is absolutely essential that you have a team um, member in your in your spouse I, I my husband and I wouldn't have ever been able to do this if we weren't a team and we're willing to help um, both contribute in in various ways um, but also I would I would say um, one of the things that I've learned the most through this whole process is I always thought that my primary value came from what I was doing in terms of having my tenure track position and my career and my um, interactions at work. And, and I going through the process of from zero to four kids has made me completely change um, my priorities and what I've realized is most valuable in life. And I remember one time my mom was staying with me and she said, well, I didn't really realize how hard your day-to-day life was until I stayed with you. Oh. Um, but, but she said, remember, there's so much value in these day-to-day mundane tasks that you're doing um, because there is no greater purpose than you can serve than to parent children well. And she said, looking back on my life, she said, that's the thing that I'm most grateful for above any other accomplishment and, and she said, just remember that, you know, when you're dealing with one child screaming, another's throwing up, there's poop on the floor, you know, there, even in these mundane tasks, there's value be, because um, you are um, being a parent and raising, um, raising children, you're going to have more influence over them than anyone else. And so that's where I've really, I've, I've learned kind of, just, I love my work that I do, but I've changed my priorities in terms of what I think is most most important in, ter- in my dedication of time or most valuable. 
Um, but also, I've had a complete change in mindset where, uh, going back to that statement, if we're supposed to do this, it will be possible to, to when I make choices, even though it seems like, okay, um, this circumstance isn't going to work out because of work or this or that. It's like, well, what is the the greatest purpose that I could be serving in this situation? And if I follow through with that, then other things will fall into place through my just choosing to prior, prioritize, even if that means giving up things, certain things that are, are valuable. Um, but I do, I would say that, um, it's essential for to have a support system. And so it's essential for even those who might not be called to foster adopt to look for opportunities to provide support to people who might be considering it, but that are going to need that extra, extra help. So like I said, our family friend who came in with childcare help and that's a really good reminder we focus I'm focusing that question entirely on sort of you know what what do people need but I didn't even think about as a person who you know I'm certainly interested in the foster care system itself um, and the reforms and frankly I think you I would love to have you come back and and maybe talk a little bit about that we we've talked about the foster care system with Naomi Schaefer Riley who's written extensively on it um, and mm-hmm. we I know IWF itself, where you're a fellow, we have focused on that issue as well. But I think it would be kind of interesting to get your perspective as a foster care mom, as a foster care mom of four, uh, four kids, and I should say adoptive mom of four foster kids that came to you through foster care. You probably have have some some interesting opinions and experiences yourself to talk about that. But I do like that you said, you know, it isn't just foster parents who need to think about a support system and how they would handle this, but people in the community who are interested in, and like me, in the system itself and, and helping children um, can look for ways in which you can contribute or help or aid a family that is doing this. And I think that is really valuable uh, advice to give because it is not something, you know, I'm, I'm, my kids are getting older and, and I, I'm, I am also getting older and, uh, and, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you don't want to take you know, in four babies is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't to do that at this particular stage of my, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much looking at elder care uh, facilities at this point, not, <laughs> not foster care, but, uh, but I, but I will, I will tell you, it is interesting that, um, that there are ways, you know, to, to, to consider that, that there are ways, especially this is, the holiday season, and and there are ways to help. There are organizations. Would you recommend any particular organizations um, that work in this space that help, you know, in general the foster care world? Are there um, are there volunteer opportunities or ways to contribute? If you have any suggestions, um, that would be great. And if not, we can add it to um, to to our. You know, I sort of I I, I always hate to kind of. To, to do that to people because I didn't tell you in advance I'd be asking, but we can add it later. But if there are any organizations you would recommend, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, so it, it varies based on the, the state. I actually have a reference book on foster care coming out in a few months where one of the chapters profiles different organizations that do that. Um, there are churches that I know um, the church my husband and I are going to now, they are 
involved with different organizations. Um, one's called Child Bridge that helps support foster families. Um, the uh, one volunteer opportunity that I think is essential, having gone through the whole process myself, is the CASA program or the Court Appointed Special Advocates program, where um, an individual really becomes an advocate for the child in foster care. And they're not so much, um, they're not fostering them personally, but they're with them through the whole court process and making sure that things move along in the best interest of of the child. So that's one I would recommend. Um, like I said, a lot of churches are involved um, with foster care um, program, whether it's recruiting families or assisting families. And I could just think off the top of my head, um, there were there were real needs that we had just being a foster family. And if you can just find people that are involved with them and support them, like, for example, just in ways that you might not necessarily even think of, but one of the things that was most helpful to me is I had a friend come over and she helped me organize all of my cupboards. And I know that sounds crazy, but it just gave me more it no. gave me more peace just knowing where things were when I was kicking, you know, poor little kids, things can get a little crazy. And it just made me feel more at peace to have everything well organized to know where everything went, et cetera. Or even just taking someone's car to the car wash. You know, but when you have when you have multiple little kids, sometimes it's hard to get up get out of the the house and just do those little tasks yeah. that need to be done or yeah, and orderliness. I mean, I think I think I was always sort of a tidy, orderly person. But I will tell you, disorder and things being not clean and not organized, uh-huh. it makes parenting harder. It truly does. And so that's a really yes. good tip. I think that's true of, you know, obviously we're talking about, you know, you who went from zero to four really quickly. But any new, this is great advice, frankly, for any new parent. You know, you're very, very out of sorts after you have a child, and 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 you're in essentially, you know, a whole new world. And so, helping parents, any parents, um, by doing these little tasks, tasks is great advice, and also would be a great Christmas gift, I will say. Um, yes, so let's, yes. <laughs> let's end on this. I want to know where people. You mentioned that you are writing a resource book. Tell us a little bit about that, and then tell us where people can find you on social media. Yeah, so uh, my uh, book is being published by ABC Clio. It's coming out in the spring. It's just a reference book on the foster care system in America, so it goes over the history of um, the development of the system, federal legislation, and how that's um, transformed the system, some of the problems and controversies um, that are currently plaguing the system, um, as perspective essays from people that have been involved in the system in, in various ways. Um, and so that's, again, coming out in the spring, published by ABC Clio. And in terms of social media, I'm not super active <laughs> on that right now with, with, with four, four kids. I probably should be <laughs> writing books and all, but, it, but yeah, um, I think contact me, even if it's just to get personal advice, um, my email address is cviega at csusb.edu. So 
V-I-L-L-E-G-A at csusb.edu. And I, I will add, you are, as I mentioned in the intro, you are a fellow with the Independent Women's Forum and all of yes. your rights and commentary. This blog, this, uh, I'm sorry, rather, podcast um, will be up on on uh, on IWF as well. So you can find all of her writing there as well. And we will certainly put up your resource because I think that that is um, enormously, enormously important. Um, we, as I'm sure you know, IW has started a new program um, called the Independent Women's Network, which is a members-only platform, and we have a resource center there. So uh, we can talk further about maybe putting up some blurbs from your resource uh, book and, and adding links in there because I know a lot of women are, are looking for more information on this. And to be honest with you, resources on the subject are slim. So I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that. Thank you, Julie. It's so well, great listen, to talk um, to you. It is always great to talk to you, and I always enjoy seeing you. Sometimes you come to D.C., and um, and we see each other at the dinner, at the IWF dinner. We certainly do not see each other or talk to each other enough um, because I always enjoy it so much. I hope you'll come back on to talk about the foster care program sort of in general. I think your experiences um, in that world um, are, are really important, so I hope you'll come back. And listen, you have a great uh, holiday season with those little ones and enjoy every second, and we wish you the best. Same to you, Julie. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, everyone, for being here for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. If you enjoyed this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure that the podcast reaches as many listeners as possible. If you haven't subscribed to the Bespoke Parenting Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so so you won't miss an episode. Don't forget to share this episode and let your friends know that they can get bespoke episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at the Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening.